Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth, International Edition, Dame la Verdad, Dites-moi la Verité, and, and we're talking about a country here with actually three official languages, if I remember correctly, uh, so we could you know, learn the German for that and the Italian, or as my grandmother would say, the Italian. It's actually uh, four official languages. What, what's the fourth? It's Romanche, uh, uh, which is a language spoken only in one very specific area of Switzerland and uh, nowhere else. So there are very few speakers in the world anywhere, but it is an official language in Switzerland. Interesting. So wow. would that mean, uh, um, what, what is the origin? Is it like blend of Italian and and Yeah, uh, I think it's French? probably, it like and I'm not la- like, a, like, like an expert, but I believe it has uh, like a, a Latin, like, root uh but i'm i you know i don't know the full like history of it but it's like a funny it a lot of people say it's it sounds weirdly like people speaking old latin mixed with german and italian kind of thing wow <laughs> well i was gonna say it sounds like maybe there was like this village that time forgot that they were they learned yeah. latin this you know, would be back a cool like horror movie kind of thing like you know when somebody like ends up in this like <laughs> Or just like a dark drama, you know, where bad things happen in there, and it's this this uh, town that speaks a, a, a language that no one's ever heard before. <laughs> you get trapped by an, an avalanche in the Alps, and you're stuck in this mm. Romanche village where you can't mm-hmm. understand anybody around you. Right. And then turns out they're cannibals, and that's why nobody's <laughs> nobody's ever escaped from that oh, village. Oh wow! You know, that's yeah. that. I like that twist. Yeah. Well, we're making a cheap, schlocky horror film. So. Isn't this romantic? All right, let's move on from let's get there. back on track. Yeah, <laughs> once, once Stan starts singing, we know we've gone somewhere that we don't want to go. Uh, we are talking about uh, Switzerland, and it's, uh, you know, not, uh, not ironic that uh, uh, Syl was the one who was able to identify the fourth official language because, Syl, uh, you are, uh, you have more experience with Switzerland than, than the rest of us through a couple of avenues. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I lived in Switzerland for many years. Uh, I'm actually a Swiss citizen as well. So uh, yeah, excited to be talking about Switzerland today. I mean, I think it's a country that even though it's a, just a tiny country in the middle of Europe, I think historically it's uh, it's, it has a punched way above its weight in terms of how important it's been in, in, in our, you know, client base. We actually, um, have quite a few clients in Switzerland and we talk to people fairly frequently who are planning to relocate to Switzerland. And so we wanted to do a bit of a podcast to talk about things you should be thinking about um, if you are planning to relocate to Switzerland, right? And people think uh, that Switzerland is just watches and chocolate, but there's there's a lot more going on to Switzerland. It's going on in Switzerland. There's uh, there's pharma, biotech, big finance industry. Oh, big big uh, time biopharma. Yeah. So uh, a, a lot of reasons. Um, Roche. For Basel is a huge hub. Yeah. A lot of reasons for people to uh, to consider relocating. And actually just before this uh, this podcast, I was talking to a client in the UK uh, mm-hmm. who are who is in the process of relocating to Switzerland for professional reasons. So, um, yeah, we we we. we have a lot of clients there so yeah and and so as a uh, still you kind of identified and, and i think we should make clear at the outset with four 
official languages, Switzerland structurally in terms of its government and then accordingly in terms of tax and so on is is a little bit different than we might think of um, when we look at it from, you know, our kind of federal tax and then state tax perspective, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Switzerland, is, is, as I've often said, is probably the most decentralized country in the world. And when we think about the things that our clients are concerned about, for example, you know, the tax system in the country where, where they're about to relocate to, Switzerland doesn't have one tax system. It has 26 different tax systems because there are 26 cantons in Switzerland. Um, and they are all very uh, independent and powerful yeah. and have a lot of discretion in it, their ability. It's like a to red state wonderland where there is no federal government, right? It's, in so a sense, it's, almost. It, they're called cantons, which would translate into county uh, in, in English, but they mm. work very much like U.S. states. Right. And in many ways, they're a lot, they're actually even more powerful and even more uh, um, independent politically than what our states uh, uh, would be. So, and interestingly, from a tax perspective, it's a little bit, it's kind of like the opposite of here, where here, if you live in a low tax state, you worry mainly about federal taxes and um, state taxes are kind of an afterthought. In Switzerland, it's the opposite, right? So 95% of the taxes you're going to pay in Switzerland are going to be local taxes. They're going to be communal taxes and cantonal taxes. And it's the federal tax that really is an afterthought. So as a consequence of that, it's very uh, difficult to generalize in terms of, okay, so you're moving to Switzerland. Is this potentially a, a, a tax beneficial type uh, of move? Is, are you moving to an attractive tax jurisdiction uh, or not? Well, it, it really depends, right? I think you could be moving to Switzerland and you, you would effectively be moving to a very typical high-tax Western European jurisdiction, or you could be moving to Switzerland and, and, and move to a very, be moving to a very low-tax jurisdiction. And the difference would be uh, moving to Geneva, for example, which would be um, a fairly high-tax canton, or if you're moving, for example, to one of the cantons in central Switzerland like Zug or Schwitz, uh, you could be moving to a very, very low tax jurisdiction. And that would have really important implications for a number of you know, in, investment and, and financial planning questions. And w one place it also comes in is, again, you know, to, to speak to the power, they basically assign and set up the rules in terms of estate and inheritance as well. We were just having a little bit of a conversation mm -hmm. stand mm -hmm. beforehand in terms of looking at, you know, the, the estate treaty between the U.S. And, and Switzerland and then what that would mean in terms of, you know, uh, your tax liabilities depending on where you lived in, in Switzerland as well. Yeah. And so, you know, the, there are things that the different Swiss cantons have in common, uh, even though there are a lot of differences. And so one thing that they have in common is that typically they don't have inheritance tax for transfers to a first degree relative. So typically you can transfer 
uh, assets to your children, and there there are no uh, inheritance. It's an unlimited exemption, essentially. Yeah, there's a. I believe there's a couple of exceptions to that rule, um, and um, and it's only in I think a couple of the higher tax cantons in the French speaking regions. I think Geneva and Vaud. Uh, have some form of, of, of inheritance tax, even for, for close relatives. But anywhere else in Switzerland would be um, a fairly tax-friendly jurisdiction from that standpoint. Right. Um, there are other things that cantons have in common. Um, one is the wealth tax, right? So Switzerland is one of the few remaining countries around the world that still has a wealth tax. And every canton in Switzerland has a wealth tax. Mm-hmm. But again, it's going to vary from something that is, you know, you, something you barely need to think about to something that is very, very meaningful uh, and can account for a significant part of your, your tax liability. So again, it varies a lot from, from one place to another. The other thing that they all have in common is that there is no capital gains tax. Awesome. I was about to say, let's let's get into capital gains. So that's yeah. one of the interesting aspects of Switzerland, right? Yeah. So no capital gains on, um, so, you, you know, selling a stock, absolutely no capital gains to pay. And that's the case anywhere you live in Switzerland. None, none of the cantons have capital gains. Some have... Uh, a very limited exception that applies to um, taxes to pay when you realize a gain on your local Swiss property. But as far as stocks and bonds and traditional uh, assets of the kind that we would manage, there are no, there's no capital gains tax in Switzerland that would ever apply to that. Um, the only other exception would be a scenario where you know, you realize a lot of capital gains and you're maybe an active trader or something like that. And maybe a tax office could look at it and say that you're effectively doing that as a, as a business income. And uh, I think there's some Swiss uh, cantons that historically have been pretty aggressive with that interpretation. So, you know, if you're a, if you're an option day trader or, 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 I don't know, crypto trader or something, maybe, Maybe you'll struggle to realize that that benefit, but for for, right. for most people, go live in um, France and trade on the Nasdaq. <laughs> yes, that would, that would <laughs> potentially work. But other than that, for most for most people, uh, pretty attractive from that standpoint of right. know, not having capital gains tax. Well, so and I mean, you know, whenever you know we're talking to uh, a new client or prospective client, and we're talking about, you know, if I if I move to this country, what will taxes look like? I mean, obviously for Americans, wherever we go in the world, that that federal US tax follows us, right? So we oftentimes think of one country as, well, the tax rates are higher, so you're going to be a net German taxpayer. Or you're going to be, you know, a net Austrian taxpayer or you're going to be a net Japanese taxpayer for sure, right? I mean, yeah. it's just like if you hear the word Japan, you, you know that like you may not pay U.S. taxes anymore because you're going to build up tax credits on your Japanese income tax. In Switzerland, what's interesting then and intriguing about this is that the answer is never revealed by the country right? Um, it's always, it depends. And it depends for multiple reasons. So it's kind of a fun puzzle to cipher through as a planner, 
right? So, I mean, because yeah. it's going to depend first and foremost on your canton of preference, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And then secondly, it's going to depend on what type of income you're throwing off, right? Right. Are you, is it portfolio income? Because maybe you don't want to just hide out and collect dividends in your taxable account. Maybe you want to have that in your retirement account, which will be protected from tax by treaty, mm -hmm. right? Yes. But um, in that taxable account, you know, um, you, you're not subject to capital gains in, in Switzerland, right? So, yes. So, so maybe, maybe you're not, if you, a lot of your income comes from capital gains, you're going to end up being a net U.S. taxpayer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you have an incentive to buy a bunch of growth stocks right. is, is what you're getting at. I'm getting at it. <laughs> and I'm also, you know, I'm also, you know, this, this, another thing that comes up quite a bit is, you know, especially, you know, European clients oftentimes have non-U.S. spouses, right? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, um, Switzerland being a place full of biotech and, 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 and banking and, you know, there's, there's a lot of high earning execs and, and there's a lot of people mm -hmm. who are compensated through oh, stock, yeah. right? So they're subject when they sell that stock position to U.S. taxes, but their spouse may not be. Absolutely. And there's right? a lot of great planning opportunities for people who live in low tax areas and are, have, you know, non-U.S. spouses you know, gifting strategies. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's in those, you know, tax free or tax advantaged countries where those type of strategies can, um, can really pay off. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the, the, I think, you know, just to clarify, there are certain strategies in terms of what assets get assigned to which spouse If one is a non-American spouse, or if you have, you know, a company or you have a property that's going to appreciate and, and so on, there are ways of, you know, giving that, uh, gifting it to your spouse so that it gets out of the U.S. tax system that can be very efficient and, and you know, amenable to, to you know, big picture planning in Switzerland. And then as well, like you identified with stock options, should I gift and then sell, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to me just selling myself. One of the other things you bring up, and I, I would say overall, um, if you're a retiree, Switzerland is a pretty friendly place, but it's expensive, right? But a lot of people, as you identified with biotech um, and, and tech more broadly, um, move to Switzerland because it's a it's a growing industrial hub in growing industries, right? Um, and one of the things that comes along with that is the Swiss pension system, still. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna do the you know, you got all these pillars. What's with all these pillars? Yeah. So we'll bring up pillars and then the, ne the rest of the hour is yours. Go yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, reminder. Yeah. Three pillars pension system, but we've only, you know, got another, you know, six or seven hours to kill. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll keep it brief, but yes, the, the, you can't really move to Switzerland and not hear about the pillar system. So this, this, the pillar system is the idea that there are three pillars uh, that secure your your retirement and so the first pillar is um effectively the swiss equivalent of social security uh the second pillar is uh what's the swiss equivalent really of a 401k uh, and so if you are a an employee in switzerland your employer has to um enroll you in a second pillar 
account, second pillar retirement. It's compulsory uh, 401k. Absolutely. So you don't have, and sometimes you, it's a valid question. You're, you're thinking, oh, maybe I'm an American. I'm taxable anyway. It's complicated. I don't want to participate in the second pillar. You don't get to do that Tough. because it's, it's, it's the law that you, your employer has to contribute, right? And so it works a little bit like a 401k. Uh, in, in some ways, it's also different because it, it's got like, a, like an insurance component to it. So usually it's got like death benefits and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but there's a lot of flexibility in the way that employers can structure it. And, uh, and depending on your, your job, you could have very generous company matches. You could have, you know, there are even employers who will just, you know, dump 20% of, of, of your gross salary into a second pillar. I mean, there's, there's really a lot of different ways that a second pillar can be structured. And, you know, if you're um, moving to Switzerland, contemplating taking a job there, have a good look at what benefits are, are, are being uh, offered through that second pillar because oftentimes that could end up being a fairly significant part of um, of your total compensation and you know for foreigners for americans who are relocating it's also a, an interesting type of account because it's fairly mobile you can take it out when you leave switzerland and um, there's different scenarios if you leave switzerland and you go to a european country you can only only take out part of it. But if you move back to the US, for example, um, you may be able to take out the entirety of your of your um, retirement balance. So um, and there's a lot of different strategies you can employ to try to be tax efficient with your your second pillar. Um, You know, you can record it in a way as to build a tax basis in the account for U.S. tax purposes. You can try to be smart if you end up leaving Switzerland about transferring the account to a low tax canton in order to have a, a lower withholding uh, on, that, on, on, those, those, on that distribution. So there's a lot of um, tax mitigation strategies that you can employ, and that's where it's, it's helpful to you know, talk to an advisor who understands um, all those issues even prior to moving. And, you know, with regards to the, the pillar two as well, um, one thing to bear in mind is you do have those options because generally what happens is the employer puts more money in than the employee does, correct? Yeah. So again, there's there's a lot of flexibility, so you, you never really know, but that's pretty typical. I've even seen scenarios where it was just the employer contributing and the employee didn't even have to contribute. Um, but yes, so that's that's generally the case. Oftentimes, the employer ends up putting more. Yeah, and so you know, becomes a case where you can look at tax credits too in the U.S. and and so on and so Absolutely, forth. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the what is the third pillar, so, and should Americans consider it? Yeah, so the third pillar is it works a little bit like an IRA, uh, and actually the contribution limit is very similar to to an IRA. It changes all the time, but I think it's around six thousand five hundred Swiss francs, and. It depends, you know, whether a, an American in Switzerland should use it or not. Uh, it depends what canton you live in, uh, if you're a net Swiss taxpayer or a net American taxpayer. So if you are a net Swiss taxpayer, it may be useful to contribute because you're going to get a tax deduction for having made that contribution. Um, 
where you want to be very careful is that the third pillar accounts, typically they are offered by, um, so they can be offered by banks, they can be offered also by just investment companies and insurance companies. And so oftentimes the, the stuff that's offered by insurance companies, they may end up investing you in um, products that may not be suitable for you as an American, um, like foreign mutual funds, you should never right. invest in those. So never. as a preface here, what, what, what you're basically saying is that the third pillar isn't going to enjoy the, the treaty protection of a traditional pension. That's, that's correct. That's Which is why the, PF, the passive foreign investment company rules come into play. Yes. And, and because so that's a contribution that you would be making uh, entirely. And uh, what we've seen from the tax preparers that we've worked with is that so typically that would be treated as a, as a taxable account for U.S. taxes, right, from a U.S. tax standpoint. And so you have to be very careful about what you invest in in that particular account because it doesn't have, you know, the, the, the like protective coding or, you know, you, you know, with a traditional pension, the, the EUS tax authority, the IRS doesn't look inside of it in the same way as they do with these right. pillar three pensions. Correct. So you have to be more careful, but if you want to do it in, um, in the form of a bank account, for example, um, that might end up, that might work, right? Cause you're going to earn, you know, a little bit of interest here and there. Um, you still get the tax deduction in, you sti- Swe- you in still Switzerland. Get, y- yeah, you get the tax deduction in Switzerland. Right. Um, and you, you would just report it as a, as a foreign account and report the interest associated with it. Right. Um, but that's unlikely to move the needle, right, uh, as far as your taxes are, are concerned. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the end, it may still be beneficial, and you have to just make sure that you understand the implications of, uh, of, uh, of the, you know, the, what you hold in that account from a U.S. tax standpoint. Um, you know, there are a couple of other issues that we can touch on it, but actually, you know, related to, to all of that, you know, the, because, uh, Switzerland is both in and out of the EU in its own little, little way. Um, and, and how that affects what you can buy as an American, uh, a little bit, but uh, I think, you know, probably a pretty good, uh, place to, to wrap up. The other thing related to that is the U S and Switzerland are kind of at, uh, at odds, we'll say over their, the, the, tax treaties. Switzerland not terribly happy with the U.S. after the, the passage of FATCA as mm-hmm. it, 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 they felt a real uh, restriction on, on their, bra- their sovereign bank secrecy bank laws. Bank secrecy is sacrosanct. It's, yeah. it's religion in Switzerland and the, the U.S. Uh, really showed how agnostic the country <laughs> were supposedly supposed to be, yeah. right? right. Uh, and, and so there, there are, you know, other issues that are going on in terms of the treaty and, and so on that will, will probably pop up. But I think that's a pretty good place to start. And if, if you have questions going forward, uh, feel free to reach out to any of us. Obviously, uh, we all work together. We're all, you know, capable of these sorts of things. But if you're really focused on moving to Switzerland, I think Stan and I would both agree that Sill is, is the in-house guru you know, on questions of, of Switzerland. He, he, he is the man who carries almost as many passports as Swiss, Switzerland has official languages, right? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And, um, you know, I mean, it clearly, you know, the podcast just clearly shows, you know, the, the type of specialized knowledge that, that, that still brings to the table in this area. And I know I lean on him a lot in Switzerland, just as I would lean on you for, for Spain, 
you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we didn't even get to talk about, you know, some of my favorite Swiss things. We didn't talk about Rousseau, you know, coming back to Geneva and being locked out of the gates and deciding, you know, taking that as a clue because he got back to Geneva too late to decide to wander the world. Um, you know, lots of those things. So maybe for, a, for on another podcast, we'll, we'll do Keith Talks Rousseau. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to hear you talk about <laughs> that could be you and Dan. history in Switzerland. Yeah. It's going to uh, be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you all for listening <laughs> and hopefully you, you found that insightful. And if you have questions, you know, we're always here to, to help. So thanks again for listening to Give Me Some Truth International. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.